Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rockbot. Happy birthday to you. Yay! Hey, it's a it's a special um, birthday episode. Rockbot is the birthday girl today, and it is this episode. What is it? Sixty two of the Reactive Podcast. And my name is Henning Glattergutz, and I'm here with, well, Raquel. Hi. Hi. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> and Khalil is here too. Hello, and happy birthday, Raquel. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, this is the best. Although I have to say, yesterday uh, we celebrated it at NPM. We like to get cupcakes for the people in the office, and during the like happy birthday song, uh, like when they came to my name, it was very weird because some people were calling me Rockbot and some people were calling me Raquel, and it was just like a. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear! <laughs> Isn't that what we Happy birthday to you! And everybody just laughed, like, "What is your name?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I have no idea what my name is. It's totally fine." It's your real name and your internet name. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. It's all good. Awesome. It's still your birthday, anyway. Yeah, with or yeah. without name. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> so what's been uh, happening? I have been gone for long times. Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, the internet is still around. Um. Though you know, despite many reports of people trying to burn it all down, uh, it's still up. So there's that. Um. <laughs> it's 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 still there, but Awkward. it's basically unusable because whenever uh, whenever the U.S. wakes up in the morning at some point, then uh, at least Twitter is unusable. It's just, yeah, just like Twitter it's just like Trump tweets started. something, and then everybody's like, Ah, Trump! <laughs> <laughs> and that's all. Like the whole day, like from then on, it's just like, forget it. I'm closing it. It is so true because I mean I have majority tech people in my feed and it is unbelievable how political it is and how full mm -hmm. of screams and yeah so, yeah I've I've kind of not there that very much so yeah I think it's important to to take note of two major things here right number one is it's okay to step away from it all because you know your your mental sanity is very very important. And yes. for better or worse, uh, it's still going to be there tomorrow. So it's fine if you take it off today. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the other thing is that uh, I think we are noticing a lot of people, regardless of like career choice or anything, getting involved in politics now for the first time. Um, and I think like there's there are some people who are like, hey, can we please keep the politics out of our technology? Um But the problem is that the politics are affecting our technology now. Um, like, like this is this is this is real. Like when when the people who work on your teams are really scared that they might be deported or like they can't they can't ever enter the country again if they leave. Like that affects your work. That actually affects your ability to get stuff done, and it and it affects the way that you think about problems, right? Because whereas before you're kind of like, all right, well. Let me ask, you know, my five teammates how I'm gonna like how to best approach this technical problem, and you don't know if three of them are gonna be there in six months' time. Like, that's you, you can't make those decisions the same way that you would, and and so it, it really starts to affect all sorts of like real life things, um, and then of course also just the human side of stuff. Like, I don't want my friends to not be allowed to live here. That's awful. Um, so it's. <sighs> it's a it's a tricky situation, but no, I totally uh, understand know. why. People, yeah, and I think I actually welcome that people are getting upset. But what I would wish and what I hope is that the people that are also very vocal on on Twitter and other things that are that they're not only vocal on these, you know, channels mm, that they mm -hmm. actually take it into the real world, into the physical world, and do stuff about it. Um, and to your point about you know how to deal with or how to talk to your um, Co-workers or reports. I think uh, was it Lara Hogan had a really good blog post on that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys talked about it last yeah. time or not, but it was basically outlining some <laughs> things, the steps you can take, how you can approach um, your coworkers, and uh, yeah, 
basically to talk to them and, and to try to create a space that is <clears throat> safe for them to talk about and help them in certain ways, if that's possible. Yeah, definitely. As a manager, I, I saw that post and I was like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. All the help I can get. Um, because it's 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 genuinely affecting people. And uh, I know I, for, for one, was really affected by this last weekend's latest and greatest of the uh, the ICE raids. Um, ICE meaning the Immigration Control and something that starts with an E or something like that. Um, basically, uh, a, a group is, is going around to uh, various neighborhoods of uh, people who have been identified as potentially being in the country under uh, not totally legal reasoning, like, you know, they're undocumented or something like that. Uh, and then just, you know, basically just doing these massive raids and, and putting people onto trucks and shipping them off to uh, a, a detention facility to eventually be deported. And, like, it's fine, apparently, to split up families and to, you know, hit people in the middle of the night when they're asleep and... I don't know. The, the whole thing really makes me really angry, um, but we don't have to go into that right now. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, but nevertheless, disturbing. Those, you know. those things are on, yeah. on the rise, and it's yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah. It, it reminds me of things of the past, and that's really really scary. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, yeah, that's, <sighs> uh, it's, it's crazy that that actually happened. It yeah. is happening. Yes, it's, it's it happening. It is happening and still. That's, yeah. Damn. Well, on a more pleasant note, uh, I was mm-hmm. in Miami uh, last week at uh, Sunshine PHP. I think I had mentioned that the conference. Um, it's a PHP conference in the winter in the sunshine, and it was in Miami. We stayed on Miami <laughs> Beach, which was really, really, really nice just to get away for two days. That's all it was. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it was, um, <clears throat> it was really great. And uh, we had some interesting talks. I had kind of wished that um, some of them would have been a bit more substantive or stronger, but there was at least one that was absolutely excellent, and that was on graph databases. And so we have a, a new thing to look into, and um, I'll probably report back on how that goes. But we have a problem that might fit um, graph databases really well um, for performance reasons. So. We're going to start fiddling with that once we have our data modeled and uh, see how that goes. So that's what I got out of nice. that. And a little bit okay. of tan. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yay! Vitamin yeah. D is important. It is. It is very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what I've been up to. And lots of work. But um, What else? Oh yes, I um, I bought. I, I don't know if I I can't remember what I talked about last, but I got my son, and in quotation marks or in the parentheses, myself, uh, an EV3 Lego Mindstorm set, and mm-hmm. uh, so he built the first robot, and um, it's really interesting. So there's a lot of um, normally with Lego you get everything in in paper form, all the uh, you know, instructions are in pamphlets, and it tells you how to put stuff together. And it does in this particular set. There's one of those, and then the rest you have to basically get an app, and you get the instructions in an app, which is kind of cool, um, a cool concept. I'm not really thrilled with how they work because it's all animated, which um, doesn't let you follow along as fast. I feel like. Um, if you have it on paper and you have like you can mm-hmm. see multiple steps all at once, it's all, always only just one step after the other. Um, but anyway, that was one thing that that kind of struck me from you know a huge huge change from <laughs> from the days I used to play with Lego is that you have to get an <laughs> app to get the manual. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, but then we we played around with um, with programming the robot, and that is pretty interesting I have to say it's really fascinating how they um, have this graphical you know language to put together um, sequences of, of you know how the 
what the robot is supposed to execute. You can do stuff in parallel, and you have these abstractions of you know what a for loop looks like and switch statements and all this kind of stuff. So having the programming background, you can totally see how they're trying to visualize these things, you know, loops and stuff like that to put together as building blocks. I had never done anything like that before. So I tried to get my son interested in that and showed him a little bit, but he was more interested in the the apps that basically function as a remote control to the robot. Mm-hmm. So I hope we get to the get back to the programming. But one thing he did figure out and he sort of hacked already is that there's um there's like a ball launcher with uh, with a magazine on the robot and it um it has three <laughs> three like plastic balls it can shoot out and you just normally in the app you select which uh, accessory the robot is holding and then you basically get a button to push to launch a ball. Well, what he did, he switched the um he just selected a different accessory, one that has a mm-hmm. that basically spins a spins a set of swords. And it would then basically, um, the servo is in continuous rotation mode, which basically means if you use that particular setting on the ball launcher, you have a machine gun. So, <laughs> so it launches the balls like one after the other in, in quick succession. So he's running around the house shooting stuff with that. So that was fun. I thought that was kind of curious that he immediately went to that but i guess boys <laughs> want to shoot priorities stuff, so. yeah yeah priorities exactly <laughs> so. uh, that's and, um, fine. i read up a little bit on uh, um you know javascript on this thing and um unfortunately i guess it seems like it's not necessarily recommended it's more cumbersome to do that than let's say something like python because something with node i didn't continue in any detail but it seemed like you were sort of discouraged from doing that unless you wanted to go through like longer um, startup times and load times but, um, I don't know the specifics of it but all, all together the system is nuts I mean you basically put stuff together on your on your iPad or your iPhone or your laptop and you send the program to the robot via Bluetooth and the thing then executes hmm. so really really fun we went to a, a, what is this called like they had a it was called Robopalooza, and they basically all had teams from different schools using these EV3 robots to um, uh, do these obstacle courses, and I guess they got points on that, and then somehow they determined the winning team based on scores. So this was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that in schools, because when I grew up, in, in Austria at least, the, the mechanical engineering school I went to, there was no such like competition stuff with other schools and I find that so awesome that there's the spirit of competition with technology and science so I, <clears throat> it's just really exciting to me that he can be be part of that so we shall see what comes next year I think he's he's going to be allowed to be on an actual robot team so Ooh. Yeah. Nice. very <laughs> exciting <laughs> so exciting yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, what have uh, you guys been up to? What have I been up to? Oh, or oh goodness! Oh yeah. Well, yeah, Khalil. What have you been up to? What? No, it's your your turn, Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. <laughs> no, you. Um, okay, I'll go. Um, Microsoft Code as an editor. Visual I... Studio Code, you mean? Oh, that's it. Yeah, sorry. Visual Studio Code. Mm -hmm. So I will straight up, without any hesitation, say that Microsoft's best product ever made was Visual Studio. Like, easily, hands down, my favorite thing that ever came out of Microsoft was Visual Studio. I agree with that. uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it it was just easy to use. It was intuitive. I could do anything in there. Back in the days when I programmed on on Windows machines, like that was my go-to editor. Um, but then I switched to Mac, and you know, bye-bye Visual Studio. Um, when I was in Austria for ScriptConf, there were a bunch of people who were either from Microsoft or used to be at Microsoft, and they were showing off Microsoft or Visual Studio Code, and I was just 
blown away. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. You mean I can have my Visual Studio on my Mac for free? Are you serious? Because that was the other problem with Visual Studio, right? Like, it was kind of expensive, but if you were working for a company that was willing to pay for it because everybody knows that it, like everybody who paid for it knew that it was worth it because it was the best product Microsoft ever made, um, it meant that, you know, I, even if I were to go home and like want to get it myself, I had to pay for it too. And I was like, eh. Uh, but anyway, I can get this thing for free, Visual Studio Code. So it took me a few days because I'm very busy uh, to finally get it onto my machine. And I did, and I have to say, I kind of like it. I really do. I haven't had a chance to do too much with it, but just kind of getting a feel for it. The plugin system is really intuitive. It, like, I have standard running in the background. I've made sure to include all of the bindings for, uh, or the key bindings for like Sublime and Atom so that I can still have the same key bindings that I'm used to, but everything works the way, but like it's, but it's in Visual Studio Code. So I don't know, I'm kind of into it. And it, like the best part is the IntelliSense, right? Like I finally have IntelliSense with Node and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually used it myself yet. I think I installed mm -hmm. it very, very early on just to, to play with it a little bit. But I hear, I've been following its development sort of on the periphery and, and trying to keep up with it on, like they post on Twitter like crazy. And um, mm -hmm. it's supposed to be extremely performant, like surprisingly performant, especially also with IntelliSense. Mm -hmm. can you, so you, you can confirm that? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. it's real fast. I mean, that to me was always the really strong point of the actual Visual Studio back in the day. I mean, I, I know it mm -hmm. still exists, but when I used to use it, there was there was just nothing that even remotely compared to it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I tried all the the other editors, and there's just nothing that was even nothing could touch it. So mm -hmm. I think they're putting a lot of work into that and um, doing some very interesting things. Yeah, I also switched to it um, in the end of last year some point so i've been using it for for months and um i'm really happy with it too um we're also using typescript at work which is also a microsoft product and typescript because of types gives the editor a lot of information so the tooling for typescript is even better than just for javascript so um yeah it's it is really really helpful and it's super performant it does all the things that um, that that Adam and all those things do, but but the IntelliSense features, which are I think not as strong as they were in Visual Studio or as they are in Visual Studio for like C or whatever or C plus plus or whatever you write with that, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but is is really good, especially for types TypeScript and. Uh, yeah, I, I never, I, I don't really. Sometimes I look, I look back at Adam because I just like it. Uh, I think it's aesthetically, it's a little nicer. But um, but I have my my Adam theme basically. It looks like the the code looks like my Adam editor. So um, I'm happy with it, and it's really it's really good. That's really really good, and you can do crazy stuff like you can. Debug. You can set you can set breakpoints in in. Uh, Visual Studio Code and then debug the Chrome in the browser or in, from the browser right? from the like the debug stuff from the browser shows up in your editor like you don't really you don't have to be in the browser or something like that I've never really tried that out yet but I've seen presentations and that also looked really good you can debug Node really well with that apparently Node scripts and stuff <clears throat> mm -hmm. so yeah Super says really a really strong product that's for sure yeah yeah, I'm I'm really stoked about it. And because it's on it's built using Electron, you can use it on any platform. Yeah. Um, and so it's now available for everybody. You get an editor and you get an editor and you get an editor. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, like in terms of performance, I like I wanted to add a module, so I went to my command line, went npm install dash s, you know, module name and then I went back to the editor and did you know const 
whatever the module name was equals require the module name. And then later on, I like did module name dot and it was like, oh, which of the things do you want to use in there? Like, it was just seamless. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have to wait for it to like load all this stuff. It was just, I was like, wow, that's pretty nice. So I'm sure there's way more stuff in there that I don't know how to use yet. Um, but I was just, yeah, it was really cool. Stuff, yeah. yeah. It's ov- almost overwhelming. Like every, every new version also comes with a whole, mm-hmm. there's a, and some sort of a playground in there now since the latest version. And I was like, what playground? Yeah. What do you want from me? <laughs> Go away. I want to see, I want to see it like, like I want it to, so I know that like one of the presenters at ScriptConf, they were writing code in it and then every time they press save the browser automatically re- refreshed and so I'm sure that's a plugin. I just don't know what it's called specifically um, but I want that I want it that, so, and that was not like some just some watcher script uh, it could have been it could have been I don't know yeah I think I'd that's because that's typically done with live reload but I don't know if, if you can like Budo or something like that, you know? Uses live yeah. reload and does that. Uh, well, I don't know. I know. But <clears throat> if it's just if it's just a little plug in, then I don't have to think about it. Just just so turn it on. Like, I thought I thought it was the entire kitchen sink. Right. <laughs> I right. want it all. <laughs> yeah, maybe there <laughs> is a plugin like that where you just have a yeah, you just knows? have an HTML page somewhere and you open it in your code uh, editor mm-hmm. and then and then you show that in the browser and then it does some sort of automatic reload. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what are you What are you using, um, Henning, currently? I am PHP storming. Oh yeah, that's um, right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Is your podcast um, Is your podcast still going? Your PHP storms. Um, I, I have Briefs? every intention on bringing it back. Um, <laughs> but ever since I came, all of the intentions. <laughs> you have all of them. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I have not been able to find the time. Um, yeah, I know the feeling. And I don't. I don't really think they're. It's not looking too good. <laughs> yeah, unless well, maybe, I, I take more time at work, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, maybe PHP Storms uh, a Storm should sponsor you to do that. Maybe they should. They should sponsor us. I'll say a few kind things about it. Yeah. But I will say this. Um, maybe um, Visual Studio Code is in my future. Who knows? Because hmm. Node might be in my future. Oh, <gasps> dun dun dun! <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Suspense. Yeah, we'll see. But what, uh, Node, p- yeah. but but as an so on top of PHP stuff, right? Not, no, 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 no. Really? No. As, yeah, yeah. As Are you contemplating a complete uh, move to Node backend? There is a contemplation in in progress. Ah. <laughs> Who is who is who has triggered that? Was that you or was that just <clears throat> actually? It was not- a, it's an interesting uh, thing. I I I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, and um, one of them was Note Up that I listened to for a long time, and mm. I heard mm. the, the Walmart team basically come on and talk about um, their doings in Node, and they were one of the first to put this thing, or I don't know, one of the first, one of the biggest companies probably to put it into production. Uh, very early on, and I thought it was really interesting what they, how they talked about it, and were honest about you know their problems and the challenges, but also the incredible performance that they got, especially on days like Black Friday, which are super super important in, you know, the U.S. Um, retail business. So traffic spikes are like insane, and uh, I guess Node was easily able to handle that. So I basically I sort of uh, just told my uh, my boss about it, and he. He, uh, I guess, listened to it and went and uh, did a little research and more and started talking about Node more and more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you planted the seed. Yeah, I think uh, there's a seedling growing. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's cool. I think Node backend is fun. That's that's great. Yeah, we we shall see. So are you you unhappy with the PHP stuff? No, not at all. No? No, no. It's... uh, It's it's just a more moving to more modern stack, I guess. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It has to do with that, and a lot of the front end stuff that we're dealing with is, you know, JavaScript, obviously. So, um, yeah, I don't think <laughs> silly JavaScript. 
Say again? <laughs> silly JavaScript. <laughs> Get in the way of everything. So silly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think that PHP is going to go away completely or anytime soon for us, but um, yeah. we might um, diversify. <laughs> so. Mm, good. Stay tuned. Cool. Yay! Yeah. Super cool. So there's also uh, there's a next JS news. There's apparently a new version of uh, next JS in the pipeline, uh, version mm. two, and it's in like uh, beta three hundred sixty-five. I know, <laughs> no, some beta version, and um, and there's a blog post that I read to some degree um, about the new version. One of the the committers. Um, or yeah, one of the yeah uh, contributors uh, wrote about it, and apparently there's, in his opinion, Next.js was not production ready um, before this uh, version two, because um, in his real life kind of use case, they needed a lot more customizability and stuff. And apparently, and also performance uh, needed to be better. So they did a lot of improvements on the performance. They do ahead of time gzip compression, meaning that they they serve. So when when you build a Next.js app, they gzip everything, and then the server doesn't have to do that, which can be uh, difficult for the, or a lot of work for the CPU on in, in Node. And then they also Im, uh, uh, support immutable caching, which is apparently a new thing supported by Mozilla and um, Chrome, maybe, which is, uh, or f no, it says here Mozilla and Facebook introduced a new caching feature with a new category of assets called immutable assets, which are just assets that never, ever change. So the browser will never try to check up on them and see if they changed or anything. Um, and Next.js has this, um, or Next.js, when you deploy it on now, um, it, it, you, every deployment is uh, immutable. So once you deploy, that deployment can never change. And whenever you do a new deploy, it is a new deployment, completely new deployment. Um, so if you have deployed once those file, those path, and, and you use one installation, those, the, these file paths will never change. So so that also helps with the performance. And um, apparently, like the prefetching and the code splitting and stuff has also improved a lot. And one big feature is you can do custom routing now. So you can integrate with Express and Happy and Koa and um, and yeah, create just create custom routes, which was not p possible before because in Next.js, the routes were basically, the API was basically the directories that you would put your uh, React files in. And it would just, that was the only way how you would create r routes. You had the pages folder and then you put you know, uh, files in there, and those are your routes. And apparently, this is now much more extendable, which is, I think, a big, a big deal to be able to integrate it with Happy and stuff. So, yeah, Next.js is definitely uh, has been very influential. Um, I think, like a lot of people, like it a lot. And um, the from the Vue.js community, Vue.js is having mm -hmm. a big. Um, uh, is getting a lot of attention and um, more so it's, there was a new version coming out at the beginning of the year at the end of last year and, and it is just doing it's really a good a really good framework and, and there's a lot of people that love it it's kind of rivaling React a little bit in the in the amount of love that it's mm -hmm. getting and it also has something like ne Next.js it's called Vuex.js or something like that and they're also doing the same thing. So uh, Next.js is influencing the JavaScript world to a certain degree, mm -hmm. which is interesting yeah, to see. Yeah, Vue.js is also like the sort of the de facto thing to go in the part Laravel. of the PHP community now, yeah, because of yeah. Laravel, and that's really, really popular. So it yeah. could be part of the... That helped it, definitely. Yeah. 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 Mm. Interesting. Hmm. I, saw, I saw an example on... What was it? Um... Uh, some like JS bin site or something like that, where somebody made a Vue.js tiny app, like, but it w which was pretty interactive. So there was like drag and drop and some animation and tiny st and stuff like that. And was barely any JavaScript and mostly was just like template code. 
I think, as I understand it, Vue.js does a lot of stuff in the template. It's very declarative in, in a certain way. And that was interesting because it was just really, it, the code seemed very simple for what the app was doing. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Um, I have last week my first uh, JSON API uh, endpoints went into production at this new What? Job. Yeah. Nice. So applause, applause. <laughs> so that was actually really, really interesting. So before I had only done everything PHP. And now it's um, PHP backend with iOS frontend, which is not in production yet, but that's coming. And then with a with another piece of the backend, which is in Node. So Node is actually the first consumer of um, these JSON API endpoints. And it was there were some bumps along the road, <clears throat> and it has mainly to do with the. Um, different levels of maturity of the, the various library imp- implementations and that's sort of still my my biggest um, I don't know I'm not complaining by any means because everything that these people do is, is totally amazing but it would so help if there was like a I think I've said this before if there was a, a universal test suite that you could somehow run against your library yeah. or you could run your library against um, to see if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing Mm-hmm. And um, so we had uh, had to do a few little manual tweaks or hacks to get some stuff working, but um, learned a lot more stuff about JSON API itself, and um, really, really excited. And and it's working very nicely. I mean, uh, so we have server to server, and we will have client to server soon, or basically a front end. And uh, yeah, it was so far a really, really good decision. So great about that. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Woohoo! Gah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like all this stuff we're gluing together. It's like, so this particular thing actually takes a feed from FedEx with tracking numbers, then makes a JSON API call to our PHP backend, which talks via SOAP to our ERP system to fulfill an order and add the tracking number to, to, the, to the order. I mean, it's, uh, it's quite a chain. It's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And, but it's kind of interesting. So all these different different technologies are in there. Hence, it took this long to get it up and running. So. <clears throat> but we're getting there. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Do you do you take your um, your laptop home, or does it stay at the office? I'm just curious. I take mine home because I work from home uh, once a week. Um, but do you have the reason I'm asking is I'm wondering so. Do you have a multi-monitor setup, or do you just use your laptop? Um, no. So at work, I have a monitor. Um, but at home, my home office is just a mess. Uh, <laughs> but at home, I have I basically I have a keyboard and uh, a an Apple trackpad, and then uh, and then a bunch of books that I put my computer on top of the book so that I have the monitor uh, <laughs> the or the, right the screen the screen at the right height yeah. um, because I don't like I have a monitor but I use it for Netflix while I'm sewing it's a whole complicated thing uh, so it's <laughs> okay. just like yeah forget it <laughs> well, the reason the reason I'm asking is because I had you know we early on at this this new place I got two monitors and I absolutely did not like it at first um and, um, you know, because I was used to working strictly on the laptop. That's it. I got really good at switching, um, you know, between apps, just using the keyboard, and mm-hmm. I never saw a need for it. But then the IT manager plopped down two huge monitors in front of me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try it. And, you know, after a few weeks, it was really uh, pleasant, actually. But I had to take my laptop home as well. But when I came to work, I would have to plug in, you know, two HDMI things, the power, the headset. Mm-hmm. Um, a mouse. Oh, poor you. Or for for the keyboard. No, no, no. I'm just saying. It's like so. It's what like four or five things every day, and it got kind of annoying. So. Oh my god. Um, the IT guy got a uh, uh, a new, well, the same same uh, MacBook that you have, Raquel. 
And he basically mm-hmm. handed down this thing called Henge Docks. So it's a docking station for the for the Mac. It's it's really nice. So I just I lay it in there in the morning and then these two motors like move all the um, the plugs into the side of the Mac on each side. And motors. like clamp it in. It's so weird. <laughs> but it's actually really cool. It's very, very handy. <laughs> so um you know, it was free, so I'm not going to say no to that. It's yeah, no, totally. No, that's cool. So. That's cool. I've been that's also awesome. I, I've been looking at at uh, docks, docking stations too, but they always se- seemed so expensive and crazy. It is ridiculously expensive. I yeah, would never a, buy it if I had to pay for it myself, for sure. Like, nah. <laughs> so because thing, I take my I take because I take my laptop to work every day and take it home, and I in the morning I plug stuff in, and in the evening I plug it out. But I honestly I don't have a problem with that at all. Whatsoever. Well, so what I like about my setup at, at work is that I have the um, the cinema display, the, the Apple mm, cinema display. Yeah. And so it has USB slots in the back. And then uh, it uses a lightning uh, uh, port to hook into my computer. So because I have the newest MacBook, um, I have a dongle that specifically goes from lightning to USB-C. And so it's literally one thing that I have to hook in. Well, that plus the power. So I only have two things that I have to hook in, which is kind of nice. And then same thing when I get home. Actually, coming home is way more annoying because I have to, like, find the dongle for the USB and then plug the USB of the keyboard into the... Whatever, it's fine. It's totally yeah, fine. I know. Everything's it's fine. kind of silly <laughs> to complain about. Oh my gosh, I you know I have this super nice. No, no, no but but at the same yada. time, but, I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also a huge proponent. Like, to me, like so, I remember like there was a, an employee at NPM a few months ago who, like every night, as she was getting ready to go home, she would pick up her power charger and unplug it from the 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 power strip underneath the desk like she would crawl underneath pick that, it up yes, and then cool. and then roll it all up and then put it in her bag and then go off and i was like whoa 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 like you shouldn't have to do that every day yeah, that's and she was point. like oh it's not that big a deal it only takes me a minute i'm like yeah and you've worked here for how long like you know and and i hope that you continue to work here for how long like one minute two maybe even three times a day depending on like what like or like between two and four times a day, depending on like what your schedule is like, is a huge pain in the butt. Like you shouldn't like that. That adds up. Um, <laughs> so I was like, look, here's a power charger. It costs the company seventy dollars. Make sure you work here for at least seventy days. <laughs> like it's like it's like not even that long, right? Like it's I mean one minute, but how how much time are we paying this person per minute? It's like here's a power charger. You take this one home. And you leave it at home, and then you leave this charger here, and then you never have to deal with this ever again. <laughs> you just plug in. Yes. And she was like, really? And I'm like, yes! <laughs> Not worth the time it, ta- it takes. So for you, the same thing, right? Like, the fact that you can put it down and then let it go, zzz, like, that's one <laughs> minute of your time that yep. no longer is needed to be wasted to, like, plug in and unplug and all that stuff. Anyway. Uh, no, that's yeah, so cool. the thing if I'm you, talking about, just so so people know, and I'll, we'll put a, mm-hmm. a link in the show notes. But it's called Henge Docks, and uh, they have a whole series of different different devices. But um, yeah, the one I have is like it's kind of like Frankenstein. You know, it just screws the thing in. It's kind of cool. But uh, anyway, I'm very happy with it. And like I said, I got it for free, so probably nice. wouldn't want to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I mean it's it, yeah, it's great. It's definitely very useful. Nice. I only have four plugs I have to plug in so it's okay and I don't have to crawl underneath the table so I don't yeah because I I I, I, I don't take my I don't take my uh, what do you call it the Nets cable the power cable yeah yeah the power power cable cable. yeah Yeah. I had to do that too yeah anyway first world problems (laughs) (laughs) oh oh goodness so so there was this one discussion that happened on the internet late last week that I saw it and I don't want to I don't want to name who it was that said it because I don't want to give them any extra like 
I don't know, brownie points for being mentioned across more things. But I'm really over the whole what does it take to be a real web developer or a real developer in general conversations? Like, erg. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, flying. hold on. I think we can say who it is because it's always it's always the same guy. It's PPK, and he's <laughs> and he's and he's and he's been like this. I just I just had to laugh because it was so. It's always so funny because people always get so excited about this. Like somebody he gives a he has a specific talk where he has this slide on there which says something like if you don't know how to use javascript without any tools then you're not a real web developer or something along those lines and apparently of course the slide is completely taken out of context because somebody posts the slide and, and is like very enthusiastic about it yeah blah 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 this is like the I don't know something that this is so great but it's true da, 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 da. and then um, and then I, I've heard multiple times because the same thing happened like a year ago. It was the same talk. It was the same slide. Everybody went nuts over it, and uh, and um, and apparently the talk, in some sense, it the slide makes it look worse than it actually is. I don't know what he's saying, but in context, apparently, it's not that bad. But the slide still says that, and to a certain to a certain degree i think he means it and and everybody's just like that's ridiculous and uh, and it is very ridiculous cuz this whole thing about the tools there is a certain uh set of developers and coincidentally they're all like uh around a longer time than than uh other developers <laughs> and they uh, and they talk about um tools being problematic and frameworks being problematic for the web and for web standards and stuff like that and um, it's it just it just seems to be a discussion that goes into the wrong direction because because the tools are not the problem the web frame the javascript frameworks are not the problem you know like if we have any problem then it is because of education, how people build websites and stuff like that. Because the frameworks, they can do all that stuff. The tools, we need the tools in order to efficiently deploy stuff. I mean, we know all that, right? Like, <clears throat> I, What I, were you going to say about that, Raquel? About what specifically? Like, Well, you said you didn't want to you know, mention the name, but... And then... Oh, well, just... I mean, obviously, like, this guy likes to do this to kind of, you know, stir things up, but I didn't want to give him any extra attention. (laughs) (laughs) I want to deny him his publicity, but we've already mentioned who it is. Um, So, I mean, but the thing is, like, like, what is a real web developer anyway, right? Like, it's just, it's so preposterous, the idea of to be a true web developer. Like, okay, to be a real doctor... You need to get a, you know, certification to be a real lawyer. You need to get certification to be a real, uh, that's basically all, the only two things I can think of that you actually need to be a real whatever, uh, to be a real cop, right? You need to like go through training and, and all that good stuff. But to be a real developer, like there's no real training for this. Anybody can be a real developer. <laughs> I like to think I'm a real developer. And I don't do half the things that these people say that you're supposed to do. Like, I don't hack on the weekends. I don't hack during the holidays. I use tools all the time. Like, whatever. You know, like, stop trying to stir things up by by saying, you know, these huge blanket statements that ultimately mean nothing. It just, you know, yeah. it, 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 it just shows how, how scared they are about, yeah. like... Things changing. That's like, right. Oh no! Things because are ultimately, <laughs> what's going to happen is that you will, like, in ten years, people will make websites by thinking them or by dragging and dropping something here to there, and those will be real web developers because everything, everything is just repetition, and everything has to be everything. Like everybody's still coding too much everybody is doing the same thing over and over and over and those are computers automating things is what computers do and we are already so high level on the web like 
everything like the JavaScript API and is on is tools on top of tools on top of abstractions on top of everything. It's ridiculous. It's like an idealization mm. of something that doesn't exist really. And yeah, mm -hmm. I totally agree. It's it's just ridiculous. It really is completely. Mm -hmm. But everybody gets 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 upset about it. That is funny though. I, what mm -hmm. is it that about this that makes makes it so uh, that it spreads like this? It's elitism. Like, like this kind of elitism is is problematic. It because it, it pushes people out of the of from it takes opportunities away because people think oh you know like I can't learn this so I'm not going to be I'm never going to be it 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 promotes uh imposter syndrome and stuff like that it's bullshit it's elitism yeah. like like everybody can be a developer if you can write one line of html and 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 make a little website or something you're a web developer period there's nothing to it you don't have to like if you have something if you want to build something and you put your mind to it and you learn the things you need to learn in order to build that thing then you're a web developer that's it. Yeah, it's just uh, the tools or not using tools. That's 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 ridiculous. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like saying you shouldn't use uh, anesthesia for a root canal. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah. let's see. Yeah, <clears throat> so that happened. That happened. Um, yeah, apparently. So people are trying to 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 create Medium blogs, but Medium says no more custom URLs. Apparently, uh, what? Yeah, I was just based on on the last episode I listened to that you talked about this. I was just gonna say, you know, he's right. I need to stop fiddle farting around with my <laughs> with my blog engine because I'm like. Ah, yeah, I need to get it off Octopress because Ruby is such a pain in the butt. And what am I going to do? I'm like, well, I just go to Medium and I can use my URLs and just move everything and what? Now you're yeah. saying I can't? Yeah, well, today Alex K in the Slack chat said that he had exactly the same thought. He wanted to, you know, set up his URL thing um, with Medium and he got a response that they're not doing that uh, because of changes of some sort. Uh, and they will notify him when it's possible again so i don't know if it's it's gone forever or if it's just like a temporary thing because they're m making changes yeah yeah but the alternative of course would be is using Go ghost as raquel um mm -hmm. yeah. said because that's cool it's on node mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and has some nice themes and um has a really good editor as well i think yeah yeah, I like I like the improvements that they've made, and I know that they're about to hit 1.0 if they haven't already. Oh, and Henning, so. the 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 editor is built with uh, Ember. Ember, yes, I know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Ghost, it is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Up to the ghost mobile. Uh, no, it was so funny, and you know, I was listening to that that uh, segment, and it's like, yep, that's exactly me, exactly. Yep, it's that. all you know, it's like, all of us. <laughs> uh, like I can automate this, and oh, this is so cool. I configure this, and yeah, it's not important. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just eats up all oh, the time. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. It's um, like trying to build your own podcast website with the feed and all that stuff. You yeah. Say, exactly. Somebody eight bucks In a month instead of podcasting. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so hard just to keep all these things up without the distractions. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, so another uh, Slack friend of ours uh, posted a uh, Cora question about negotiating salaries, which was interesting. There were a bunch of interesting answers about how, mm -hmm. as a developer, you uh, you should or could um, develop uh, salaries because that's develop, uh, 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 negotiate salaries because, because uh, that's always uncomfortable. Um, mm -hmm. if, I think for anybody, for most people, who apply for jobs, mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. Um, maybe for developers a little more because they're socially awkward sometimes or too high to, well, I don't know. Anyway, uh, everybody has a problem basically and the question is how to attack it and there seem to be two different um, approaches. One would be to to not give the potential employer any information about your current salary and also no information about... Um, 
about what you want to make because it is my, it might be beneficial f for them to give you a number first because it puts you in a position of power uh, in this nego negotiation kind of event that's happening because then you know uh, basically what is what the, what the lowest end of what they want to pay you is and you can negotiate up from that and if you tell because if you tell them if if you like cuz cuz typically as a developer you want or as as an um uh somebody who wants the job you you want to figure out okay what is the what is fair what is the right thing that you do you don't want to unbe you don't want to underprice yourself you don't know exactly what is the medium salary uh, and you want to be like over average maybe so but you don't know so Uh, it's difficult. I mean, you can look up on Glassdoor and stuff like that, so you can get some sort of a feeling for it, I guess. But you want to, you kind of, you don't want to overprice yourself. You don't want to be too high when you give them a number, so they say, "Oh, we can hire you." We can't hire you if you want a job, um, but you also don't want to be too low. Um, so, so that was the one approach. The other approach that I saw was also interesting. It was basically. Uh, no, the other approach is basically saying, telling just starting high. Like if they, if if you decide to give them a number first, then basically say, just start really high and and then and then let them negotiate it down a little bit. <laughs> and what's difficult yeah, though? No, I mean it depends on the on the other side, right? And uh, mm -hmm. but I think yeah. Probably you should start on the high side, I would think, because chances are they're not going to just say no because of that. They're probably going to negotiate or want to negotiate, I would think, um, unless yeah. they just have you know an overwhelming number of people that are applying and you are equally as good as someone else. But uh, mm. most companies are probably not in that position. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, well. So, so here's my approach to, to salary negotiation. Um, and this works whether you're starting a new job or you are trying to renegotiate a salary. Maybe you're looking for a raise or something like that. And uh, the first thing you should do is do research. And uh, that is, I have no idea how it works. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> All right. Um, I have no idea how it works in countries outside of the U.S., But in the U.S., there are a bunch of websites like Glassdoor.com, uh, Salary.com, and uh, and and in those you can say, hey, you know, like this is my job description. This is the city I'm looking to to do the work in, um, and it'll tell you kind of like a bell curve. Okay, this is the average amount that uh, people in that area with this job description are making. This is the high end. This is the low end. Uh, like the the hot, like top 75%, bottom 25% sort of thing. I mean, there's always going to be people outside, but they're much, much smaller uh, percentage-wise in terms of like what their super salaries are. But anyway, with that information, you can take that and you can compare the job description to like, because it's some like kind of base job description and compare it to the job that you're expecting to do um, or in the case of a renegotiation, what you're already doing. And you can basically look at it and go, look, I'm doing way more than this discussion or th this uh, basic uh, summary of like a job description for this salary, and I'm making a lot less than this salary. So I expect that I should be making more to keep myself within the, the general standards of the area, right? And that, that allows you to completely separate yourself uh, and the salary that you're currently making with uh, how much they should be paying you. Um, And uh, it's also important to remember that when you are, like, you should do everything possible to avoid mentioning any money at the beginning of the, uh, of like any sort of job search or anything like that. Because what a lot of hiring or recruiting uh, managers will do is they'll be like, so how much are you expecting to make? And if you say something like $400 million, uh, they'll go, sorry, that's outside of, of our our thing and like because it's so early they don't care if you finish if, if you continue on or not they're gonna be like sorry we can't afford that bye click yeah. um but as as somebody looking for the job you can say hey 
what's the what's the like range for salaries here? And then you can decide, like, because if they're like, yeah, we pay somewhere between like, I don't know, a uh, hundred and a hundred fifty dollars a year or something, you know, totally ridiculous. And you're gonna be like, uh, yeah, no. Um, and then you can just bow out, right? Because it's your time that really matters from your perspective. Like, don't waste your time on a company that isn't going to pay you very much. Um, but also at the same time, uh, like, let them decide that they want to talk to you. Like, try to convince them that, that you want to, like, they want to talk to you. They want to get to know you. And then as you go through the whole interview process at the end, again, you can never go wrong by asking, what's the salary range for this? But if they ask you first, like, what are you expecting? You should respond with, well, what do you, like, what, what is the salary range for this? Uh, or say, hey, I've done my research and this is how much I expect the, like, this is how much people in this industry, in this area uh, are making. And given my skill set, I expect that I would be in this range. Um, and so again, it doesn't matter what you were what you were being paid before, because that's completely irrelevant. And at least in the U.S., it's illegal for them to to ask your previous employer how much you were making. So you can just like if they're like, "So what did you make before?" You'd be like, uh, "75 billion dollars," <laughs> and they'll be like, uh, "And you'll be like, yeah, you're not gonna check, so whatever." Um, <laughs> like you could be like, "I made 75 billion dollars, but I'm willing to renegotiate." Based on, you know, the compensation, uh, like, whatever standard. Um, and, and so, like, that's using facts instead of emotion is really the best way to do negotiations because people get really, like, like, they get really scared. They get really nervous about it. And they're like, oh, my God, I have to ask for money. And money is so scary. Um, it is scary because money, you know, defines whether or not, like, what kind of place you can live and what kind of food you can put on your table. So yes, it's a it's a serious thing. Um, so attack it seriously with facts and not emotion. Like a lot of people go in and they're like, I think I should get a raise. And it's like, well, why? Well, because I feel like I'm doing more work. Okay, but maybe you were underpaid before. It's like, well, no, I don't think I was. And it's like, if you have no real fact by which to, to bring that up, then like you're always gonna get turned down. Like <laughs> they're always gonna find some equally emotive reasoning like oh sorry well we're a startup we don't have enough money like well you know shut up and pay me or i'll go someplace else but don't ever 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 say something like that to them uh just think (laughs) that in your head (laughs) um instead you want to be like i understand that you know this is a small company um but I want to show you, how, like, th- these are the contributions I've made over the last year, and this is what I could expect from other, like, this is what my research has shown are the, you know, general wages for, for people at my level in this in this area. And then they'll go, oh, snap. Um, maybe we should pay you more money because you are valuable. Um, also, it's really, really, really unlikely. I've heard maybe two stories ever. Um of this happening, but it's very rare for somebody to extend you an offer and then take it back because they didn't like the amount of money that you asked for. So if you want to negotiate, it's fine. Like once you get the offer in hand, you can start negotiating and then they'll be like, oh crap, but we really want you because we we want you. We, we extended an offer to you. So uh, let's see what we can do. <laughs> um, yeah. And everything's yeah. negotiable. Yeah, and, and I think it's also in, important to take into consideration because um, this is what what uh, what we're kind of in the situation. We are out in the middle of nowhere, kind of. At least people mm-hmm. say that it's a small town in central Florida, but we're kind of close to big metropolitan areas, like an hour away from Orlando, an hour away from Tampa. <clears throat> so, even though these websites would probably return lower uh, income because of the location. We can't really afford not to pay the same wages as the bigger cities close by because otherwise no one would come. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, that's yeah. the thing too. I don't know how you would even, you know, to begin to figure that out. But if the company has a, has a reasonable size and they need talent, they they will probably be willing to pay more. Or mm-hmm. they just they just have to. Otherwise, they can't get anyone to, to come over. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there's always exceptions, but um, yeah. Yep. Yep. 
So okay. anyway, I think that wraps us up for the the so. the episode. But basically, if you like this conversation uh, about salaries, like come join us on our Slack uh, channel. It, we, we've got a lot of really really cool conversations about all sorts of things in there. It's a really cool group of people. Everyone's super nice. Um, so come hang out. Uh, you can access our Slack channel via the show notes, which are at reactive.audio. So go ahead and click in and we'll, we'll see you there. Sounds good. Yeah. And if you like the podcast, then uh, tell a friend about it or just leave us a review on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. And you can find a link to that in the same place in our show notes. And I'm H. Gladdergots on Twitter, and I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, and uh, there's also a reactive pod uh, on Twitter to reach us, and um, I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter as well. And I am Rockbot on Twitter, and I also wanted to say a shout-out to username James, but real name Jaime, uh, on who is a, a recent addition to our Slack group. So shout-out, hello, welcome, and... Welcome. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, tweet at us, come join our Slack channel, write us a nice review, uh, and listen to us again next week. Bye! Excellent. Bye. Bye.